because they do have a Nanaimo bar McFlurry too. Yeah, it was kind of crappy. Oh, really? That yeah, wasn't as good. Tried eh? that. Yeah. No. yeah. How do we get onto food? I don't know. Uh, I asked Rob if he'd had Nanaimo bars. There we go. Nanaimo. Oh, right. It was Ryan's fault. Did you Ryan go, derailed the whole podcast. Did you go into a bar in Nanaimo? No. No. Oh, damn. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Snap. Wow. Well done. We can just close off the podcast now. That was, that, I, that, I, yeah, I didn't even get that first. Wow. Well played, sir. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. That was a lame banter, banter, and a lame combo. <laughs> Dude, it's you guys. Long weekend. It's a you can long tell. week. Tuesday after a long weekend, man. You can't expect enthusiasm, which is like a Monday. It is First just a Tuesday Monday. masquerading as a Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're on to you. <laughs> we're on to you, sir. What, uh, what poor guest are we going to have on today? That <laughs> we'll have to contend with our our. Well, let's talk about that. Hey, Ryan, Rob, what are we doing today? Today, we are talking with a local low vision photographer and advocate by the name of Kathy Brown. No. Oh, wait, yes. <laughs> what do you mean, no? Because, <laughs> I don't know, because it's obviously, it's a, it's a Monday, because I was just like, no, we're not. We're talking to Kathy Bates. <laughs> wait, no, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> not today, anyway. <laughs> Maybe later. Kathy Brown, of course. Now I got to do that all over again. You suck. Uh, hey, Ryan, what are we doing today? Today, we are talking with Kathy Brown, who's a local low-vision photographer and advocate for the disabled. Uh, she's a lot more than that, Ryan. Yes, uh, she, she is. is. But she will tell us about that, I'm sure. But yeah, this is one busy lady. So uh, yeah, she, so I guess, and no, she reached out to you, right? She did, yep. After we had Richard Harlow on the show, which is a friend of hers, she reached out asking if she could be a guest on the show. Excellent. Word of mouth. Love mm-hmm. it. Hmm damn straight uh so how was how was the long weekend speaking of it for me sunday was fantastic i haven't slept in till 10 and i don't know how many years really it was glorious yeah glorious wow yeah love it <laughs> uh well uh yeah i did good not bad not bad went over to nanaimo did you have nanaimo bar yeah, no, but you know what? Oh, hey, speaking of which, <laughs> did you know McDonald's has fish and chips now? Yeah, Linda, I know. Linda, Linda time, tried them. Yeah. Yeah. How did, has anybody tried them? Do we know anything about these? Linda tried them. And what? how are they? Mm, yeah, they were okay. You know, they're pretty small, little triangular kind of shapes of fish. I think she had two pieces. And there were Kim's comes with two pieces. It was okay. It was, if you really want fish and chips, go to a fish and chips well, place. Well, sure, obviously. <laughs> obviously. But I mean... Uh, but it was it was fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, what about you, Steve? What'd you do? Uh, we had our big uh, May long weekend community potluck in the uh, in the complex. Uh huh. So How'd we, that go? Uh, clear the cars out from under the uh, covered parking, and uh, just in case it rains, and put out a whole crap ton of food. It was good. It was really good. 
I did uh, I did ribs in uh, the sous vide. Cooked them for 24 hours. Ooh, wow! They came out. That's nice. Dedication. Yep. yep. Cool. Sous vides are excellent for doing ribs in, man. Oh, they come out with some good ribs. But yeah, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So back, back to food again. Mm, food again. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's <laughs> a podcast about nothing. Food and nature. Food and nature, Cottonwood. What else can we talk about? Do we about? even need Kathy now? Uh, clearly not. We just cap things off now. Uh, no. Hey, do you want to talk a quick uh, little news item before we get Kathy on? You got news? Let's of do it. Of course you do. Of course you do. I don't even know why I'm asking. I don't know either. Don't you snooze. We got news. <clears throat> Uh, hey, it was announced last week, and and I and to my credit, I've been I've been I'm, I may not have been saying this, but I've been thinking about this a lot. But Google Glass has come out with a new model, <laughs> and I can't. Remember, I'll have to go back in the archive and see see if I actually said this. But I said I definitely thought. Google Glass is coming back. Yeah, I'm pretty. They're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to wait it out. They're going to they're going to bide their time, and they are going to relaunch something at some point. Because what the the original Google Glass came out in, I believe it was 2013. It's been that long already. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. When they tried to sort of make it a, a thing, mm-hmm. and it kind of fell flat. Yeah, it was just ahead of its time. Um. And I knew they would. They were just sitting, waiting, biding their time, waiting for the right moment, or or maybe the technology to catch up to for it to actually do it what that they wanted to do. But in any case, uh, they unveiled something they're calling the Google Glass Enterprise Edition Two, which is a new version of its uh, Google Glass wearable. That's it's business focused. Oh, uh, so this, it's a competitor to the Microsoft's new Hololens. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's not a it's not a mainstream device, really. This is this is aimed at at um, uh, businesses. Right. Um, but let me read you some of the specs because uh, they're pretty impressive. So it's powered by the Qualcomm Snapdragon XR1 platform. It's got a new quad core 1.7 gigahertz CPU, USB C port. It's got a faster charge time. Because of the, the 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 processor, the battery is going to last a lot longer. Um, it has an eight megapixel camera, a six forty by three sixty optical display, a multi touch gesture touchpad. It's got Wi Fi. It's got Bluetooth five. It's got three gigs of RAM and thirty two gigs of onboard storage. Not too bad. Steve, what kind of resolution is six forty by three sixty? That doesn't sound very very high resolution. Oh, it is when it's like millimeters from your eyes. Yeah, well, that's that's I guess the you know the question is what it actually is going to look like when it's th- that close. I I mean it six forty by four eighty was uh, was our standard for VGA right. for for years and years and years, right? Um, so this is just kind of a narrower aspect ratio, I think, as much as anything. Is that six by nine? Can't remember. Anyway, right? But. Um, so on a smaller screen, you wouldn't notice the pixel. I don't know that you would. Yeah. I don't know that you would. The important thing to take away from this is that this is what can be used going forward as a platform for some of the different um, uh, 
AT mm -hmm. that we're seeing. Even these new Google Glass coming in at just under, I think, $1,000 US. That's right. Even though it's aimed at businesses, why couldn't you or I or any end user purchase these and throw the Lookout uh, app or Google Lens or any of the live transcribe, any of the new announcements they've made and use these? Yeah, I don't think there is any any reason. I mean, it might just not be for sale right. retail-wise, um, but that doesn't certainly doesn't mean that uh, the consumer come. wouldn't be able to get their hands on it. But mm -hmm. I think what we're going to see because of this is there, there's going to be a real arms race in terms of smart glasses. Um, and we've been seeing it for a while over the, over the last couple of years where more you're hearing more and more new companies entering the, the field um, developing smart glasses. And it's really nice to see Google back in the race because these guys always push the field forward. Well, and think about, you know, we've they're at the some, cutting edge all the time. We've had some proprietary solutions, you know, like the Orcams and the CyberEyes and, um, you know, multiple other ones out there. Iris Vision is one. And they're all great at what they do. But if we can use that leveraging of mainstream technology again and bring that price point down, we have more access to more people, right? Well, those, those ones are uh, leveraging mainstream technology, like the, the Iris Vision, the Cyber right. Eyes, they're using the, uh, the Samsung. Oh, the uh, Gear VR. Gear VR helmet, right. yeah. So, you know, that is helping keep keep the cost down. You know, you look at what was out there before. Right. Uh, the the dedicated devices, that, like the new eyes, the new eyes were mm. using the uh, ODG smart glasses. Uh, ODG is out of business now. They, right. they, they had to shut down operations. Um, uh, you know, the uh, eSight, they've had to bring their price down to compete with, mm -hmm. with things like Iris Vision. Um uh, the the Jordy is one of the only other ones out there with a with a dedicated, um, uh, you know, single single purpose headset. Right. Um, but uh, uh, even even they've been able to keep their price fairly low in comparison to you know what guys like Esight were charging for right. before. So, you know, there there there's definitely some competition from the mainstream, and you know, the, Google Glass is looking at them though. Um, you know, I don't know how uh, how I would see those being used by somebody with low vision, because the screen size is small and you know might not be optimally placed for a lot of people. Right. But um, you know, with a little bit of speech output, you know, yeah, that, that, that could be a totally useful platform for mm -hmm. for people with all kinds of of vision issues. That's oh, right. And something I didn't mention uh, also is, of course, voice assistant is, is of course, built right in. Mm -hmm. And it's got three microphones uh, placed in different places. So it, it's, you know, very sensitive as well. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential here, uh, a lot of potential. And I, I feel like whenever Google enters the race, it pushes everybody else forward um, in terms of, of technology and, and features built into the, into the platform. So, I think that this is going to mean really good things for wearables going forward. I, I was thrilled to real thrilled to see Google back in the game. Now you just jumped up and down, pumped your fist in the air, and says, "I was right, I was right." That's right. I just <laughs> wish I remembered if I said it or if I was just thinking it. Well, I heard, I'd love to take credit for it. I heard years back um, from a, a guy who had worked for Google for a while that the reason that they got rid of Google Glasses in the first place was because they got so much pushback from their cellular uh, customers who were oh, using really? their OS. And they really saw the original Google Glasses as a 
as a threat to cell phone sales. Right. Um, so they may have backed off at that point because they didn't want to risk their core business, which was trying to sell, you know, Android to every phone manufacturer on the planet except for Apple. Um, One of the things that really that, that people balked at uh, was it was fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. for for a set of Google Glass, and then there was all kinds of privacy concerns. People were a little well, it was a monocular, l- it was a one eyepiece, was it not? No. Yeah. Wait, yes? Yes, the Google oh, okay. Glass was just one. Yeah, it eye. still is. Yeah. No, Rob says the new one's a pair of glasses. Looks it like a it pair is of a pair of glasses, but if you look at the front of the pair of glasses, it's only got the visual display on one side. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, yeah, so, you're right. You're so right. They're, they're, they're basically using safety glasses, but they've got the, uh, the, the visual on one side. Okay. Um, but there were, there were privacy concerns over the camera, the integrated camera, because people worried that you know people would just be walking around taking pictures of whatever, yeah. and you would never be able to tell. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, a little bit of a concern. But so I don't know if that's just privacy concerns has have, <laughs> you know, we're kind of used to having no privacy now at this point. Uh, so maybe it doesn't make as big of a deal. I I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how these are are received? I mean, again, these are these are for business. So you know, really, this is for developers mainly mm-hmm. t- to use this as a platform for some sort of a, a wearable device going forward. So uh, yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see what kind of impact this has on the market. But um, it's it's interesting that this should uh, be be announced right at the same time as we've got this court case going on around facial recognition. There's a, there's a there's a court case I believe it's in the states, uh, oh or is it in London is it in England? I'd have to go find the article again. Anyways, there's a court case about facial recognition technology and whether or not um, government should be using facial recognition technology or whether it's a breach of uh, breach of privacy. Um, so uh, wherever it is, I'd have to go find the article. It's it's going to have some serious implications if. The court rules that use of facial recognition technology does violate people's right to privacy, hmm. which would be unfortunate because what I really want in a device like that is something that will tell me people's names because <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just so crap at remembering people's names. But we can't be that far with AI and AR no. on your phones. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be able, you know, as you're walking up to somebody, your phone talks to their phone and says, hey, Steve, this is Jim. Yeah. You know, like we're not that far. Nope. No. No, we're really not. Yeah. Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, assistive technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines, uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us now is Kathy Brown. Hi, it's Kathy. Hi, Kathy. I'm Ryan. 
In the Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. In the room with me, I have Steve Barclay. Hello. Hi. And Mr. Rob Minot. Well, hello there. Hi, how are you doing? I like how they're my mister. Today. It's about time. <laughs> it's about time you recognize that. <laughs> You're moving on up. <laughs> Hold on. Give me one Hold second because on. i got to pull up my extensive notes because I'm a consummate professional. Absolutely. <laughs> Somebody's got to be around here. Yep. Thank God it's you. <laughs> you guys are in big trouble. If it's me. We we are in big trouble. I just provide the gear <laughs> because it's you. <laughs> uh, well, hey, well, listen. It's it's. Uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day to uh, to chat with us. This is this is cool. So now, uh, Ryan, I understand that, that Ryan was telling us that uh, you reached out to us. I did. Um, I noticed that uh, my friend Richard Farlow yep. had been on your podcast. And so I thought, oh, this is an opportunity. So I reached out. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, we love, I always love talking about, especially, you know, local, uh, local people, um, you know, in the community, uh, always a treat for us. So we definitely appreciate you uh, to reaching out. So listen, well, let's let's uh, let's start right at the beginning and just tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your uh, maybe perhaps about your eye condition. Sure, um, my name's Kathy Brown. I'm um, a senior. I just turned sixty-five this year, and uh, way back then in the dark ages, I was born premature and um, subsequently had too much oxygen in the incubator and uh, destroyed pretty well 90% of the eyes. Uh, I have about 10% in one eye, nothing in the other. Um, but I've because I've had it all my life, I've adapted fairly well. And uh, I uh, do a lot of photography. Uh, I've been in PR most of my life uh, and social media for the past 11 years, and I do improv and stand-up in my spare time. Oh, my gosh. And I'm also a fairly busy advocate. I'm uh, on the Persons with Disabilities Advisory Committee for the City of Vancouver, just going into my seventh year doing that. It's a volunteer position. Also, a uh, volunteer with uh, an organization called Kickstart Disability Arts and Culture, uh, where I'm vice president of the board, and, and Kickstart provides support and uh, and encouragement to uh, disabled artists. So what you're so telling? I'm fairly busy. Yeah. So what you're telling us is you clearly need a hobby of some sort to keep you busy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, geez, I don't even know where, I don't even know where to start. Okay, well, let's start talking a little bit about the the photography. Uh, how long? Sure. Have you, how long? What what prompted you to get into it, and uh, how long have you been doing it? Well, I think you know, like anybody, I mean, we've you know, we've all brought the little point and shoot cameras for vacation photos and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I can remember. You know, the old days when you used to actually have your rolls of film and trot them into the drugstore and, you know, get back a whole lot of pretty boring pictures that cost you a fortune. Yep. 
And uh, then digital came along, and, and uh, which was great because then you could, uh, you know, you could actually take as many pictures as you wanted. It didn't matter if, if they were not that great. But at the same time, it was, you know, for me, the same old, same old stuff. And, and then about a dozen years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Asia uh, on some uh, work stuff and, and ended up in Taiwan and Japan and decided before I left that I wouldn't come back with the same old pictures, you know, temples and that sort of thing. But I would actually try to tell a story with everything, every picture I took. And that's my philosophy, uh, you know, moving forward. That's what I've tried to do ever since. And, you know, graduated from the kind of tiny digital cameras to actually, you know, a DSLR with, with interchangeable lenses so I could be a little more creative with what I did. And um, it's, it's just been something that's been uh, very very challenging, but also very comforting to me. I, I found, you know, uh, after all these years, something that I was really passionate about and loved to do. And, uh, you know, in my own way, I'm also, you know, showing the world that it doesn't matter um, what you may think or what others may think your limitations are. You can do anything you challenge yourself to do. And you can be really good at it. And I am really good at it. Yeah, I think you've looked at some of the pictures online, haven't you, Rob? Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're and they're excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and, thank you. And you and you go to a lot of different local events. It seems. I do. I get I get invited to a lot of local things. Um, I very rarely get paid for them, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very active in the community in a lot of different ways, and and. Uh, like Richard Harlow, who you had on a couple of weeks ago, I think now, um, I'm also participating in, in two projects that he's involved in. Uh, I'm one of half a dozen uh, disabled artists who have been in residence in some local schools in uh, the greater Vancouver area. And I've actually been teaching photography to... Uh, five different classes. I've got um, two fourth grade classes and three grade six, seven classes. And, you know, by virtue of actually being there and teaching kids the creative process from my vantage point, uh, we're, we're really also teaching about disability and, and destroying some of the myths and misconceptions that are out there. Right. So uh, I've been involved in that for the past uh, seven weeks or so. We're entering into our last couple of weeks. Uh, it'll be done uh, by the end of May. And then we're going to have a kind of showcase open house uh, in the middle of June to invite uh, the students and their parents and anyone else who's interested in seeing the work that's been done. I'm the only one doing photography. Uh, there are other artists involved who, like Richard, right. he, you know, has been introducing painting to the kids. Um, we've got some other people who are involved in video, involved in music, uh, involved in storytelling. So, so all of us have brought our unique talents to the forefront and, and are helping teach these kids. 
And also, along with Richard, I'm also uh, involved um, in an exhibit uh, by visually impaired artists at UBC at their Hatch Gallery uh, from um, June 1st to 6th. Uh, I'll be um, exhibiting some of my photographs there. And uh, it's, it's very exciting because it's the first major exhibit I've been in. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well. So when you're teaching the kids photography, um, is your perspective different from, say, an able-bodied photographer? Are you able to sort of lend a a different perspective on on the photos that you're taking? And and are you able to sort of teach that to the kids? Well, it's interesting you use that word because perspective is is a big part of what I'm doing. I'm not teaching so much the technicalities of photography. But what I've been doing is actually moving these kids from perception. When you first pick up the camera and you point at something, that's what you see on the surface. But if you change your perspective, if you go closer or further away or, you know, maneuver to the side or maybe go down to ground level and take a picture up, you can change your perspective of what you're seeing and it becomes a totally different object. And very much I'm equating that with disability. If you, if at first you you perceive someone to be a certain way, but if you change your perspective, find out more about the person, you'll find out that disability isn't, isn't that scary or that hard to understand and you change your perspective on, on disability, it becomes another human being who has to adapt in certain ways. So I'm using that parallel when I'm teaching them. And, and also, basically, I'm saying because we're using iPhones and iPads because that's what they live with, um, I'm saying to them, I want you to take your phone and flip it outwards. No selfies, nothing like that. I want you to flip your phone out and take a look at your world and change your perspective of what you see. And changing your perspective of what you see in the camera is going to help you change your perspective on disability. See, that's brilliant. I, I love that you pair those two. Uh, that, that's that's such a great message, and we and you know it's something that we need more of because this is the generation that needs to alter the perception of of how society sees disability. Well, it's actually, and and it's even broader than that. It's how they see their world and. and you know, I, I worry that, that, you know, there's so much self-absorption in, in, and, this, and, and our, our phones and our screens have, have kind of created that. And so I'm really encouraging them to take a look at what, what is around them and see things differently. And uh, they're having a wonderful time with it. Um, the, the creativity... And and their grasp of of actually being very willing and very and very excited about doing this has resulted in some amazing photographs. And 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 it's uh, it's also very interesting that you know I've got about 125 kids I'm dealing with um, with all these classes, and. You know, the teachers have actually told me that some of the students that they thought might be behaviorally a bit of a challenge 
in these classes are actually the ones who are who are really taking this and running with it and asking the most, you know, amazing and thoughtful questions, not only about photography, but about me. You know, I've actually had some of the students say, well, you know, do you ever get frustrated? Do you ever get mad? You know, how do you feel about what you can and can't do? I mean, it's been it's been really amazing to to hear some of the perspectives that, that you know, they have given back to me. I'm I'm really going to miss it when it's over. I I know I'm going to feel I'm going to feel pretty emotional about it. And there's another reason why too, because forty odd years ago, when I graduated with my BA, um, I applied to do a one year Master's of Education so I could actually teach afterwards. Right. And uh, I was refused on the basis that I could never teach, quote, unquote, normal people. And, um, you know, it it totally got me changing my career because I got really annoyed and went to the media and made a lot of noise and discovered the power of the press and went into PR. Um, But now, you know, 40-odd years later, I'm teaching. And I've never done it before. And it's, and you know, at this age, I'm finding that I'm doing things I never thought I would do. And I'm constantly challenging myself to do it. And even at the ripe old age of 65, I'm discovering, you know, new avenues and, and new things that are, that have made me really happy. And teaching has been, you know, the culmination of a, of a dream I thought I'd never have. Well, you know, and it's such an important message. And I mean, that's why we love uh, having, um, you know, people like you or Richard uh, on the show. Um, You know, people who, you know, a a lot of people would look at and go, well, wait a minute, she's legally blind. How the hell is she taking pictures? Um, It's such an important message to, you know, other uh, kids with, with low vision or blindness because it sends the message that anything that they want to do or any barrier that they thought was, was present isn't, they can just try it and, and you, you never know what's going to work out. And that's the message that uh, the kids need on, on both sides. And I also do a fair amount of motivational speaking and it's not only uh, to disabled kids, but it's to young people generally who, you know, are so caught up with, the notion that they have to be perfect, that they have to be as, as good as, as well-dressed as, as pretty as, you know, as successful as the person next to them. And I'm, you know, my message is, look, you know, I was born imperfect. Perfection is overrated. You know, discover who you are and discover what you're passionate about. And, and you know, that is perfection in itself. And, uh, you know, that's what I try to get across, even even when I'm doing stand up or I'm doing improv. I mean, you know, just the very fact that I'm doing this says something. I think, um, you know, what you mentioned about your, your kids asking good questions and, you know, unexpected questions. You know, there's a certain mm-hmm. there's a certain honesty in youth that uh, 
I think we 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 lose as we get older because we're we're trying so desperately to be politically correct a lot, and uh, you know. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, those those. Absolutely, kids. and I think well, for my fellow artists, I'm hearing the same thing too. That 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 they just will ask the question that pops in their head. You know, and uh, they don't they don't think of of the fact that it you know if it's appropriate or not it's what they want to know yep. and you know it's it's really wonderful when I when I say to the kids you know we've only got a couple weeks left you know this week I'll be saying we only have two more classes you know and and some of them have basically said no you know can't you stay and you know that's probably the most wonderful thing anyone has ever said you know that that you know from their from their very honest and 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 you know heartfelt kind of reactions that they really care about this and it's and it's really meant something to them. I I, I can't think of anything better. Yeah, it's a skill they'll carry with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and and hopefully that they'll you know that they'll have that compassion, the empathy, and and they'll they'll on the obvious, you know, and that's that's all part of this exercise. But, you know, I'm, I mean, I've been kind of, whether or not it's been a formal career, I've been kind of educating most of my life because, you know, when you're in communications, you're, you're teaching about an organization or a person or a product or whatever you're, you're providing information. And certainly with all my work advocacy uh, wise, you know, I deal with the media quite a bit because I have been co-chair of that uh, Persons with Disabilities Advisory Committee, and, and I have spoken out in the media about all kinds of issues that, you know, affect our community. So, um, you know, I feel that I'm, that I'm providing, you know, something valuable on, on a whole lot of different levels. And, you know, because we need our voices to be heard, and we can't have people make decisions without our cooperation and our, and our input when, you know, we always say nothing about us without us. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your, your work with the city of Vancouver. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you've been, you've been working with them for a long time. Have, you know, mm-hmm. what, what sort of things do you deal with on a day-to-day basis? And, and are you finding that it, it's easier dealing with the city now than it has been in the past? Or is it the same and what's what's your experience well it's always a challenge i mean you know because you're de- i mean you're dealing with a lot of issues that that you know require a lot of patience and a lot of time to actually see something come to fruition and there are you know there are issues that we've been working on god over the period of all those years that maybe are just now happening for example uh, after about five years of really, you know, advocating for this, the city of Vancouver last year actually passed um, a motion um, to actually, um, you know, develop and implement an accessibility strategy for the city. They never had one. And so, you know, that was a huge victory. Um, but it takes a lot of patience and a lot of time. I mean, we're working on some really huge issues that, uh, that affect the community. You know, everything from affordable housing to transportation to, 
um, you know, to accessibility generally, because, you know, no matter how much they tout the fact that they're an accessible city, Vancouver has got a lot of accessibility challenges, you know, even starting from the architecture of a lot of the houses. There are a lot of steps in this city. Yep. There are a lot of stairs. And um, so, you know, we're, we're very actively working with the city engineers to talk about, you know, curb cuts and, and, and um, accessible paths to entry into, into houses and townhouses and apartment buildings. Um, we're, we are in constant communication with TransLink um, to talk about accessibility in terms of transportation. Um, you know, I mean, they, all these issues don't go away, but we're, we're, we're constantly in touch with city staff and, you know, putting forward motions to council. Um, and, you know, we're, it's an ongoing process and even something as simple as straws, uh, the straw ban has been, has been a, a huge issue of concern for the disability community, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of people actually, it's a matter of life and death for a lot of people to have a straw because that's the only way they can take nourishment and they can't take it any other way. And they can't use glass or metal because it, it could be injurious to them. It could, you know, and they can't use paper because it'll collapse. You have to have something solid enough to bend because of the, the different angles that people's bodies are at. I mean, it, it's, it's very complex and, and it's something that we have to constantly educate about. Um, so, you know, the work is ongoing. It's, it's sometimes two steps forward and one step back, but you keep on. Right. Because the more we talk about it and the more we're present in all these decisions that need to be made, the better off everyone is. And certainly this time around with a brand new council and almost totally new people, including a new mayor, it's even more important than ever that that you know this new council understands the value that we have brought over the past years and and the issues that are that are really important well you you, you keep holding Kennedy to task there he was he was my MP for uh, for a number of years I worked with him on uh, trying to uh, get the GST lifted on blindness uh, products for for quite a while ah not that we got it ah, yeah it's, it's, it's a challenge you know because I mean there's a lot of you know, there are a lot of issues that that, that people want to deal with. And, and obviously, you know, the disabled community isn't the only community that, that this council is concerned with and serves. And But it's such a huge, uh, you know, number of people. And it's only going to get bigger because the population is aging. That's right. And we work very closely with the Senior Advisory Committee because so many of our issues are kind of intertwined. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it, you know, the whole complexion of the city is going to change because because the city's, you know, people are only going to get older. And there are other issues that then come with that, including disability. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, the fact that it's, you know, it's 2019 and here we are, we're still waiting for a, for a, a National Accessibility Standards Act. 
Um, That's right. And we've only got three provinces in, in the country that have that have uh, legislation passed too. Yeah. Well, and that's right. And so, even and, you know, and even those provinces, uh, you know, it's it's come out that that they are all mired in problems. Um, yeah. By by no means uh, is Ontario going to, for example, going to hit um, their the goal of of uh, being a fully accessible province by 2025. Um, you know they've had mm-hmm. numerous reports come out that uh, you know that, that, that just they're nowhere near on the the track that they need to to be to hit that goal. Um, yep. You, you know, it, I, I walk through every day. I walk through several malls that are, are completely being rebuilt with new sections, and you know, I, I walk up to the bathrooms and. Uh, <laughs> None of them are are accessible. There's no Braille signage on any of the uh, of the the signage indicating, you know, for example, of the washrooms of which way men's is and which way women's are. There, the you know, they're just they're without those those accessibility building standards. The people who are building all these new buildings, um, you know, they they think, oh, well, you know what, we're we're putting in an accessible. Uh, bath or like an accessible to- stall in each bathroom we're done and there's yeah. so much more to to building an accessible environment than that um and a lot of it is is just we need these standards in place and until that happens you know it's such an uphill battle and it's so frustrating yeah well the whole point is though there are no standards really People don't adhere to the standards. We when and I don't think standards are as enforced as they should be. But it's and it's also really, you know, it's frustrating when you go into say a restaurant or something, and they're also proud of the fact that they have accessible bathrooms until you go to them and you find out the corridor leading to them is full of boxes and chairs and things. And then when you actually get to the bathroom, there's no automatic button to open the door, and the right. door is facing outwards, not inwards, and the stall itself isn't big enough. And, and I mean, you know, you can go on and on, but I mean, it, again, it's it's that need to educate all the time. And uh, that's, that's what we do. And, you know, sometimes it's like hitting your head against the wall, but at the same time, if you don't do it, who's going to? And And we really need that voice out there. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And I, that's why I work that's why I work with Kickstart too because you know, artists need to have the same opportunities as, as anyone else. They they need to be able to, you know, get paid for what they do if they're exhibiting. They need to they need to find uh, venues for for their exhibits and and again that's a challenge too because a lot of galleries aren't accessible. And, you know, then, then that provide, that is an obstacle to people actually showing their work. So, you know, it, it's, um, the world is not made for us. We have to, we have to educate the world to actually accommodate. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, we have high hopes. We have high hopes for the Accessible Canada Act. No, we but, don't. Uh, <laughs> well, no, we don't. Because there is no enforcement behind it. Yeah. There's no enforcement. It's, I think it's I think a, we all have a healthy and, yeah. skepticism for pretty well everything. You know, because we have been disappointed before. Well, and uh, But at the same time, 
you know, we can we can make things as good as we can by pushing people. And that's why as long as as long as we keep on speaking out and as long as we keep on pushing, it's going to be better than if no one said anything at all. Yeah. And although this, and that's why we we have to have our voices out there. Yeah, and although this piece of legislation right now is you know essentially just a bit of fluff, it's a it's a bit of fluff that you know over time and with we haven't pressure, had. Yeah, we can we can start building on right. You know, yeah, it's got to start yeah. somewhere, and it's well, unfortunate sure. that it didn't start with a solider base, but you know. Well, and hopefully they learned from you know the AODA and the Manitoba Act and whatever right. other province has it. Right. Like, let's let's look at these examples right. and move forward. Not let's just not repeat the same mistakes. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Yep. Ryan. Yeah, you hit exactly it right on the it. head. Uh, you know that's the important part because you know accessibility advocates will tell you you know Ontario screwed up. Well, there's no excuse for it. Like we've been educating and educating and educating and educating. And they're still dropping the ball. So, like, let's let's get enforcement. Let's start levying fines, not just threatening fines. Let's start holding these people to task. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's time to actually start walking the walk instead of just you know Mm. talking things up. Like we have this, you know, we have great uh, accessibility environments because we have a couple ramps and some, um, you know, larger toilet stalls. I mean, it's so much more than that. So, well, now you've got to solve that. No, absolutely. And and the thing that I hope too. And, you know, um, I, I want more um, participation from, from the younger community. You know, we need, to, we need to have our younger generation really speak up, too, because, you know, there's a lot of us older people who've been doing this for 30 years or more. But, you know, we need, we need more than that. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy whenever I see, you know, a younger generation of, of disabled people actually speaking up and getting, and getting involved. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of representation we have on this new committee once we start up again in June. Because um, I'm always encouraging the younger people to get more involved in this. Because we need them. I mean, I can't do this forever. Neither can anybody else. Well, and exactly, and and that's the generation that that is going to really have to move some of this stuff. You know, it has to move the football down the field. Um, yeah. You know, we we our generation. We're doing what we can, but uh, you know, it's hard. Old habits are hard to break. But you know, we need we need everybody's voice, and that's yes, what yep. that's what I you know try to encourage too. That. Uh, you know, we need everyone to speak up and we and we need people to realize that that it does matter to speak up. You know, I think I think sometimes people think, well, it's not going to make any kind of difference. But you know what? It does over time. And the number of voices that are raised, you know, absolutely help push that football forward. Boy, we're all on fire today. Yeah. Got us all riled up on a, on a Tuesday after a long weekend. Go figure. <laughs> okay. Where do we get all that energy from? I know. <laughs> okay, so now I've, I'm fascinated, though, because uh, you, you've mentioned stand-up a couple times. Uh, tell us a little yep. bit about that and how you landed in doing some stand-up. Well, actually, it was because of my involvement with a theater group called Real Wheels. 
and they um, put on productions that that combine disabled actors and able-bodied actors in, in productions. And they did something two years ago called Comedy on Wheels. And it was 15 of us, all disabled, um, all doing stand-up for the first time. And we all wrote our own material. And uh, we all performed it. Um, it was an amazing experience. I found out that I really loved to do it. And I've done some stand-up, I think I guess maybe four or five times over over the past couple of years. Um, I was interviewed on on a local radio show and, and uh, one of the one of the interviewers on something totally different, one of the interviewers said, um, I hear you do stand up and I said, Yeah, he said, uh, blind jokes? <laughs> and I said, They're all blind jokes. <laughs> So, and, and it, it really is, you know, basically just like stories from real life, you know, and that, that you know, people find really funny, but it's really happened. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and uh, people, I think when they realize the silliness of some of the things that actually happened to you, that what people laugh at, they remember. And uh, that I think it really does, it really does resonate with people when they hear, you know, real life situations explained to them and, and just realize how silly some of them are. You know, like if you have someone on the phone, you know, maybe someone calling from BCAA and saying, well, you know, um, you know, car insurance. And I say, well, no, I, you know, don't see, so I don't drive. And there's this silence at the other end. And then someone, and then they'll say, you don't sound blind. <laughs> you know, and that's really happened. Yeah. You know, um, so it's, it's actually sort of tales from real life. And, and um, the reason I got involved with, with improv, which is kind of the other end of the spectrum, because if you're doing stand-up, you're living and dying on your own. If you're doing improv, you're actually feeding off the energy of other people with you. I love both of them. Uh, but I was fortunate to be the first recipient of uh, a diversity scholarship out of um, Vancouver Theatre Sports uh, improv uh, on Granville Island, and so I was able to take um, many, many courses on this scholarship. And, and it was it was kind of funny because they said they were opening up opportunities to groups, including seniors, disabled people, women. And I wrote back and said, "Well, I can check off three boxes." <laughs> You know, I'm a I'm a blind female senior, and they said, "Okay, <laughs> you're in." And I I became the first diversity scholarship winner, and uh, improv has really been a life changing experience as well. Uh, there's just nothing nothing like it. Man, if you'd just been part of a visible minority, you would have <laughs> you would have covered all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I checked off almost all the boxes. <laughs> you know, it's all these things I said, you know, when I turned 60 and I've been a widow for like eight years or so and, and I don't have kids, just me and the community here. 
which which is very supportive and very encouraging. But I said when I turned 60, I would do things I'd never done for this entire decade, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Awesome. So what's next for you? Oh, Lord. Um, I don't know. I'd really like to pursue more teaching. I'd like to, I'd like to get, you know, more involved with community stuff. I'm, speaking is something I'd love to do. Uh, I'm actually also co-hosting radio show on co-op radio on disability issues. Oh, man. So nice. So I've been doing that. I've been doing that now for, God, nine months or so. And I love it. Tell people about the radio show, where they can find you uh, online. Let it all out. Yep. All right. Uh, well, the radio show is on co-op radio. Um, in Vancouver, it's 100.5 FM. And, or coopradio.org. And it's called Soapbox Radio. I didn't name it. Uh, it was had the name already, but... Um, it airs live uh, every Wednesday from 1 to 2. And then you can grab the archive at cooperadio.org uh, after after that. Um, always looking for interesting guests that, that I can talk to. Um, and uh, online, I'm pretty well. It's Kathy with a C and Brown with an E at the end. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I actually had my 11th anniversary on Twitter today. Uh, so I'm pretty well an old hand at this sort of thing. And um, I also, you can also find me on Flickr where I have most of my photos. And uh, working on actually putting together a photo blog. Um, but it's been a little busy. So it's like the shoemaker's children, you know, the, the last person, like the PR person is going to promote it themselves. And actually, if you go on Google and you say Kathy with a C and Brown with an E, I'm usually the first or second person on the first page of Google pops up. Oh, lucky you. I've, I've got the unfortunate name these days of Steve Barkley, which happens to be the Brexit secretary in England. So he gets all my, he gets all my press. <laughs> but if you forget the E on Brown, it's like so ordinary looking. You know? <laughs> uh, well, I really listen, appreciate the time. Well, listen, yeah, we appreciate you taking the time and, and talking to us because clearly you are a hell of a lot busier than we are. <laughs> 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 but no, it's you oh, know, there's always things. There's always other stuff to do. <laughs> but listen, it, it's always just an absolute pleasure talking to, to somebody local for sure. And uh, you know, listen, good luck with everything. And uh, you know, thank you. Come back and visit us again because um, we'd love to talk to you again. Listen, I appreciate it, guys. All right, listen, Kathy, take care and have a great rest of your day. You too. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Where do people get all this motivation? And energy. Yeah. Yeah, really. 65, you guys. Come on. We, yeah. we, we got to step up. Mm. I don't know. They probably eat healthy, balanced <laughs> meals and stuff. All the fiber. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's always really interesting talking to people who are, who are doing these things that, again, people will look at and go, That's impossible. How can how can you how can that how can that be? How can you have a blind photographer? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And then, you know, you look at her, her pictures and they're gorgeous. 
Um, and it's like you said, it's all about, it's all about perspective, you know? And I think that there's, there's a lot, a lot of value, especially artistically of creating art in a way that is completely different from everybody else. Yeah. Beethoven was deaf people. Come on. Like, you know, the, yeah. the, the history is full of, of these, of these amazing things. And, uh, we gotta, we gotta celebrate them when we can. So Ryan, Rob. We, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we need to get you a hobby. I have He's got a hobby. hobby. What? Plays guitar. Oh, okay. Well, we need a we need a hobby. Writes music. Well, then we need to, then you, you need a hobby. Yeah, it's actually that is true. <laughs> actually, I do need a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm barking up the wrong Steve tree. Steve plays guitar. I play guitar. Steve goes fishing. <laughs> Rob goes to Starbucks. <laughs> goes Man, to stock damn. up on Chef Boyardee. <laughs> Hmm. We're gonna get Rob a hobby. That is kind of true. Chef Boyardee art. Take all those, uh, take all those cans that you use and turn them into modern art. Listen, that was okay. That's a running joke. That was really funny 15 years ago. It's still funny. It's well, it's still funny, but it's no longer the case. Well, we can ride on ride the Tic Tac train. You can look at my. Oh, you're not you're not buying the chef by the case anymore. No, no, he's, he's moved up in the world. Tomato soup. <laughs> I did just buy a case of Campbell's tomato soup. I will admit that. Those are good for lunch. You get those little frozen mozzarella sticks and some tomato soup and you dip it. Oh, it's good. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, well, blah, blah, blah. Anything else to say about that? No, just that that's probably going to harden your arteries. Since. With tomato soup? Yeah. It's good for you. What are you talking about? It's tomatoes. Campbell's. It's it's a it's a. His... I was I was thinking more about the uh, the mozzarella. Well, maybe yeah. that's a tr that's a treat. I'll, I will say that that's the, like every other day. I don't have the mozzarella sticks every day. Okie dokie. Sometimes I'll just have some crackers. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> or you With know what's really good? You take those. <laughs> you take those uh, nacho chips and you dip them in the tomato soup. Those can be really good too. There you go. Recipes by Rob. Yeah, yeah. exactly. New segment. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a real good segment. That'd be a real popular segment. It might be. I doubt it. We're going to make soup from scratch. <laughs> no, we're not. First yeah. you get your can opener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And then while you're waiting to heat up, you scratch. <laughs> oh, dear. Open your microwave, pop in your matzo sticks. You guys are bastards. <laughs> yes, we are. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, where can people find us? ATBanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at ATBanter.com. And they can also find us on Facebook. They can find us on Twitter. They can find us on Instagram. So uh, you always leave that open. You always leave. I've noticed that in editing the show. You're never sure Instagram. if something comes after Instagram. <laughs> I edit that every week, and I, and I have to like cut that because it's it's kind of like because you're like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Is there anything else? Anything new? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Are we on Reddit? <laughs> no, we're not on Reddit. Although maybe we should. Maybe we should create a subreddit. Oh, we could. I don't even know what a Reddit is. <laughs> Bunch of people bitching. No, well, it's depend, not. Depends it's on only me. in a Game of Thrones Reddit. <laughs> then that's going to about do it for us this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. 
This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.